Hey, it's Chris Edgerly, a.k.a. The Edge Voice, and you're about to listen to an audio version of an interview I've done on my streamcast on Twitch. Now, if you'd like to see the video along with it, you can find it in the links below, or you can just go to my YouTube channel, Chris Edgerly, a.k.a. The Edge Voice. Hope you enjoy it. Yeah, so yeah. Hi, I'm and Erica then, Yeah. Yeah, hey everybody, this is Erica Ishii. As you know, I don't really like to uh, put on too many airs, but hey, this is the Edge Voice Streamcast uh, with me, the Edge Voice, a.k.a. Chris Edgerly, uh, a.k.a. the voice of Pathfinder and Apex Legends, and a bunch of other stuff that you may or may not care about, but that's not really important because uh, I'm here with Erica Ishii today. Now, for all you Apex fans, and like 90% of my audience is still Apex fans, I'm trying to get them to branch out a little bit because they're used to Apex Legends, so I spend one day a week playing a different game, and then I spend one day a week interviewing folks, and a lot of times it's Apex people, but every now and then I'll Trojan horse somebody who's awesome, it's and me. yeah, oh wait, okay, Erica's going to introduce herself to you real quick while I let the painters in to our place, <laughs> okay. great, yeah, great, great. see, this is, this is a glorified yeah. podcast. Is all this in. Hi everybody, I'm Erica Ishii, I have absolutely nothing to do with Apex or the Apex community, um, other than that, uh, some of my very favorite people in the world are voice actors or developers on the game. Um, I am a voice actor. You may know me as I saw some Love folks you. saying, uh, hey, Anna Bray is in the house. Yes, I'm Anna Bray in Destiny 2. Uh, new, new season just got announced. Make sure to check that out. New season of what? I missed it. Uh, new season of, uh, of Destiny 2. Oh, okay. Uh, nice. Yeah, all of that's going live. There's a new dungeon. I, I actually, I played Destiny 2 until I voiced a character in it, and then I thought it'd be weird to hear myself, so I didn't play the newest season of Snot. the movie. Wow. Very good, and like I'm so proud of the work we did, but it's still I still feel weird about hearing myself and my work. Really? Um, chat, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's okay. Well, come... Like, Come join the rest of us that love the sound of our own voices. It's it's sure. bliss. Sure. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Seeing myself, that's a different story. Like the zit I have, which is going into week two, I think now. Uh, that yeah, I can't get rid of. That's quarantine, baby. Our skin, man. Uh, your chat is so lovely. Uh, they're they're wonderful people, and I have wonderful mods. Who, if somebody decides to be a little bit less than wonderful, they jump on that. Um, but yeah, I don't put out that vibe anyway. So yeah. <laughs> Eric yeah, Tyler's no, just a beauty mark. Yeah. Cultivating a lovely, you know, kind-hearted community mm -hmm. is just a joy. I'm going to tweet this out right now, too, and tell people to come. Yeah, so Destiny 2, I'm Amanda in Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator, which is, like, that's another game where, where it's like I'm, I love that game. Uh, I've been in Sailor Moon, and, um, oh, Legends of Runeterra, uh, a bunch of other stuff that's, uh, escapes me at the moment, uh, but you might also know me from my work with Critical Role or uh, Geek and Sundry. I play tabletop games or uh, host occasionally. And uh, yes, Michelle from Gundam Narrative. Thank you so much, Firefly Amazons. Uh, hey, Phoenix, Coffin, Devin. It's, oh my gosh, some, my my community is showing up in here. Hello, everybody. I love you so much. Good. That's what I want. I want I want you bringing your people and they meet my people. And then we realize that, you know, hey, it's it's a small world. 
<laughs> See, I'm just tweeting this out. Also, right now. a word uh, right now, uh, and I think your mods might have the link, or I could drop it in the chat as well. And I don't know if you changed that, your donation link. I did. It's on my donation link. Yes, and I put like one of the first things on my chat, which I guess it didn't show up because I refreshed it. Oh, there it, it is. There it is. Uh, Stream Elements says it. yeah. Donation, so and let me it. see. So all donations. And I throw it up there too. Yeah. Um, in the chat or uh, underneath on the donate button. All of those donations are going to Color of Change, which is the world's largest organization, online organization that's promoting uh, black rights and uh, dress, uh, racial equality and justice uh, via online community building, which is something that we care deeply about. And uh, I, I feel very grateful that my community is very dedicated to equality and uh, justice and a lot of charity. They have raised hundreds of thousands of dollars of charity over the years. And I'm so grateful that right now, during these times, they're really stepping up in terms of supporting, uh, I don't know, the right side of history, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but before we before we go on, um, uh, this is a, a typical thing for me. Your audio will still come off as a little bit low for some people, especially yeah. if they're used to technically competent streams. But um, I am streaming on OBS with a Mac, and I've got yeah. We talked about this. We've this is this. yeah. This is like grabbing someone against their will, shoving them into a van, jabbing a gun in their ribs, and saying, "Drive the car." And so that's what Mac does to OBS. You drive this car. And OBS says, fine, I'll do what I'm programmed to do. But don't expect me to like it, okay? Yeah, yeah. So that's what's happening. And I, 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 I use the, yeah. Don't try to try to drive you into the lake. Yeah, I use that analogy because I was busy watching Three Days of the Condor with Robert Redford and Faye Dunaway, and that's how they meet. He jabs a gun in her ribs. And uh, this is an old movie by our standards today. It's from like 1975. But go back and watch this movie and you'll think, oh, my God, that's like every action suspense movie of the last 40 years. Basically, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, this I have actually never seen it. And I I, um, I consider myself someone who knows at least a little bit about movies. And I was ashamed I'd never seen it. It's really good. It's basically Hitchcock. Uh, I, I would say take the best Hitchcock of the 50s and 60s. Throw it into a seventies, mid seventies New York milieu, and let okay, Sidney Pollack direct it. Hundred percent sold me. I'm okay. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Hitchcock fan. Okay. Um, weirdly, I think one of the few ones that I haven't seen is Psycho, but I've seen all of like the Alfred Hitchcock presents. You haven't seen Psycho? Yeah, I don't know why. I just it's one mm. of those ones that has so permeated the sort of mainstream consciousness. Yes. I'm like, oh, I know everything that happens. It's and well, to, I don't, yes, it's fine. It's fine. No, no. Let's let's take this back around because you're talking about um, being on the right side of history. You're talking about, you know, pushing for social change, things like this. OK. And I think there are two important points to make that I want to try and uh, and sort of uh, lay a foundation for our chat is that one, um, I think that we can take somebody's art from however long ago and put it in context like Alfred Hitchcock apparently was horrible to the women he cast in his movies we're learning that now and so yeah yeah so yeah I exactly so I sit here and I think okay 
but I'm still going to watch his movies because they're great movies. And I will just keep it in context. There's a big dust up right now with Gone with the Wind because it was removed from, I think, Turner Classic Movies. No, HBO Max. HBO Max. They yeah. said, we're going to bring it back in about three weeks. We're going to create a discussion around it, a framework, and then we're putting it back on. See, and, so, uh, oh, sorry, God. What? No, my point is that, first of all, you're here to talk about certain causes that are very important to you. Causes that I don't know a lot about, but I'm trying to learn because I want to absorb, absorb as much information as I can because I believe in critical thinking. All right. Now, you and I are probably going to be more or less on the same side of a lot of, of, a lot of these things, but we may differ. But the, point, the important thing to me is to have a conversation and so we can exchange points of view and find out, okay, maybe there's a different way I can look at this. And so when you talk about, oh, I haven't seen this movie yet or I haven't seen that movie yet, you talk about social change you want to see happen. I'm seeing on Twitter today people talking about a movie that they want to see, but for different reasons that movie is being reframed and put in a new light and in a new discussion. And I'm thinking, this is a great time to talk about this stuff. Yeah, so there's uh, there's so much, like back, back in, I, I majored in communication studies at uh, UCLA. So did I, uh, not at UCLA. Like specifically mass media uh, communications. And we had one Same class thing. about, you know, where, that discussed the separation of art from artists. Yeah. Um, and it's a really tricky thing because no matter, you know, and there's a discussion as well about J.K. Rowling, where, where she's... She just you know, stepped in it in a big way. Terrible, uh, transphobic nonsense. Um, and But a lot of us have gotten messages from her stories and, like, grew, grew up with them and loved them. And, mm -hmm. you know, the idea that being that, you know, death of the author, where, uh, you know, you can take the messages and the characters and the memories that you have of these stories. Nobody can take that away from you, but then also recontextualize, well, this is from the point of view of an author who was very wrongheaded, you know, just the way people are doing with Lovecraft or Tolkien, both of whose works I love, but mm -hmm. also you have to be like, okay, well, this is stuff like from this perspective and I appreciate and I, I didn't know that they were bringing Gone with the Wind back with the discussion because yeah. I don't know if you've yeah. seen the uh, really the racist World War II era um, Warner Brothers cartoons oh I grew up with them are you kidding me yeah. I grew so, up with them and so they show those in theaters and in collections these days but they have a disclaimer ahead of time that says these were very much of their era they are yeah. wrong but you know we feel to sort of erase them completely would be a disservice to history and right. to this discussion. But just know that this is this is how it is. Right. And I really, um, I really appreciate that because you know, it's so it's the more that we grow and evolve as a society, mm -hmm. the more that we're going to look back on all of our works of art and realize that, you know, they were of their time. Yeah. And, and I, I appreciate that there's discussion that happens and that this is something that is, is discussed because mm -hmm. back in the day, you know, you'd have voices saying these are wrong, but no way to express that. And, through online discourse, we're having these discussions. None yeah. of this would be happening without the tools of online discourse. Yes, and I, I believe in preserving history because you don't want an incomplete history because then you're getting an incomplete lesson. 
And so if you want to learn from the mistakes of history, you've got to tell it as accurately as possible, realizing, of course, that a lot of history was reported inaccurately on purpose. Yeah. So that yeah. takes a deep dive right there. But the, the point is to get, I mean, I almost approach this from the point of view of an engineer or a scientist. I want all of the relevant data. I will decide how I feel about it emotionally later. But right now, give me everything. Don't spare my feelings because later on, you know, I'm not a child. If it's a child I'm talking to, that's a different story. Oh, but like I'm an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so give it all to me. Let me contextualize it. Put it in perspective. And yes, I would love to see if someone's already having a conversation about it. Then I can join or I can learn from their point of view. And so, I, I yeah, I, I am a big fan of preserving art in any way that you can. And I've learned that art in, uh, in the sense that it can be shown or not shown is different than a statue, which is in a public square. Because I was torn about this at first before I learned. I grew up in the Deep South. So, oh yeah, yeah. When you grow up in the Deep South, you don't get the same history lesson per se. You might get it in school, but culturally you're getting a different history lesson. So when you learn about the Civil War, Sometimes you were rooting when you're hearing about it. You're, oh, well, I hope our guys win because you don't know the whole story. Right, you're you're yeah. rooting for your team. And then later on, you realize our team was actually um, kind of traitorous and uh -huh. uh, wanted to own people. And if they won, they would have kept doing that. And so uh -huh. then you find out later that the Confederate statues that were erected weren't erected right after the Civil War. Most of them, at least I'm learning, were erected right around the time blacks were less disenfranchised in the mid 60s and i thought okay I'm, I'm getting some context here so now when they start saying yeah knowing all the data you were able to give me the data yeah give me the data so i i got more data and i changed my mind you know i used to confend i used to confend the confederate i used to defend the confederate flag when i was younger because i had friends who flew it and you know, we had black friends too. You know, we didn't care. We didn't think it was a big deal. We thought this is your home team. And so you show the flag because you're proud to be from Georgia. Now you know better. Now I realize, well, that flag doesn't mean what you think it means. It means a lot more. And even if you think it only means this, for another person who's looking at it, historically, it means something else. And so that's why, hey, maybe you should not, you know, you want to fly it inside your house? Fine. It's your house. Fly it inside. You want to put it outside? That's so where we got it. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, look, if a person wants to be a racist, they're allowed to be a racist. It's just that they're not allowed to disenfranchise another person. So, Julie so, in, yeah. in your chat says, when you know better, you do better. And I think that's yeah. something that we're seeing now and that, that I really appreciate is that people are changing their minds. They're working hard to doing the work to like, change yeah. other people's minds and i think it's you know sort of our job as allies right now to do the work and get that data and yeah. you know learn and and try to uh, know better and do better yeah give people the information like my wife is venezuelan and a woman of color so she is black latina european she's she's everything i didn't know anything about venezuela when i met her except that they had a lot of miss universe winners that's what i knew about venezuela you know okay well, I'm a guy. I don't know anything about South America other than I thought the culture was kind of cool, but it's South America. There's a lot of different cultures there. I'd yeah. never been. I'd never studied South American culture historically outside of the fact that Simon Bolivar 
is a revered figure, you know, and Argentina got uh, in a dust up with Britain over the Falklands, also known as uh, the Maldivas, depending on who you're talking to. So, yeah. But then I started to learn a little bit more about Venezuela and politically what goes on there and what has been going on. And I am a big Sean Penn fan. I will see almost anything he's in. I think he's one of the finest actors walking the earth. But a lot of Sean Penn movies, like full disclosure. Yeah. 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 What, you're you're in a lot of Sean. No, no, I, no. I missed a lot of them. Oh, you missed a lot of them. Okay. I missed a lot of them. He is he is to me a fantastic actor. He's also a very good director. He directed Into the Wild with Emil Hirsch, and he's very he's just really gifted. But he also basically was an apologist for Hugo Chavez and propped him up whenever he could publicly. And after my wife gave me the deep dive on what Chavez was, I thought, all right, well, you know. Uh, fuck that guy's politics. I'll still watch his movies, though. So, yeah. And that's where I decided I'm separating the art from the artist. Uh, just, you know, he holds an opinion on something that is extremely personal for my wife and members of her family and members of her family's friends who have been thrown in jail because of what happens down there. And I thought, okay, well, he's a good actor, though. <laughs> so that's what I had to do in my mind, you know. It's interesting. I, I think like it's mostly on a case by case basis for me. It's like, we'll yeah. just put money in the pocket or support the career of somebody who's doing something I disagree with or, you know, uh, or is it something like historical and it, yeah, it really, it's, you know what? I don't think there's a blanket, uh, approach, you know, I, is it a case by case basis? Yeah. And, I, uh, I mean, cause you know, all, all art is, political you know it's just mm -hmm. everything about it from casting or you know who makes it to you know how what platform it's put out on you know to the not even that's not even going into the sort of messages or you know who appears in it it's so it's it's something to think about and I think one thing that I really value about because like I don't really use my degree that much you know I'm an actor uh but, you kind of use it. I have the same degree, telecommunication I, arts. And so, okay. I mean, yeah, it's one thing that I do really value is that it gave me the heuristics to see a piece of media and be able to sort of break it down, you know, and that is helpful as an actor. I, I think. Hang on. I'm looking up what heuristics means. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, uh, um, it's sort of the algorithm, the learning algorithms, I guess. Yeah, I had a general yeah. sense of it, but I just, I like when people use words I'm not comfortable with. Ooh, yeah, it's good. That's always, that's always nice. I can spell it, though. I can spell it properly. I just, you know, couldn't use it very well yeah. in a sentence. Yeah. Yeah, so you knew how to Google it. Yeah. And you were doing the Google it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it is, been, it has been immensely useful for, for breaking things down to figure out themes or like what's going to resonate or yeah. storytelling in some ways mm -hmm. it's, it's I don't know and and for me my whole life everything that I do and everything I love and everything I want to want to be a part of comes back to storytelling uh and, and so that's been helpful for it it is perhaps the most human form of communication there is because think about it when we first learned to communicate when we dragged ourselves up from the muck yeah how did we tell, what did we first tell each other? We told each other, stay away from that. That'll kill you. Go towards that. You can eat that. That'll feed you. Why, yeah. Why is fire hot? You know? Right. We had to give ourselves. Yeah. And then 
you gathered around the warm fire. What did you do? What did you talk about? Well, what did you do today? You started telling a story, you know? And I used to have this up above my computer, this little thing I printed out, and it's just my own philosophy. Life is a story. And I guess to expound on that, life is a story and it is told in the third person and you don't get to tell i mean you tell your story in the first person you don't get to decide what happens to you you just get to decide what you as the main character does but the story happens to you you write your own response to it and it is uh, a great way to look at your life Maybe if you're getting a little bored, maybe if you're not as inspired, realize you're living inside a story. Right. Just write right. the next page. I am, um, what I have, I have a, a little a print by a, an artist that I love, Abigail Larson. She's a she's an artist that I really love, um, of Scheherazade. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, I know the story. I, I think that's one of the coolest stories that yeah. exists. So my, for, for those who don't know, uh, Scheherazade is the main character of the Thousand and One Arabian Nights. Mm -hmm. um, and what happens is there there's a sultan whose wife cheats on him. And so he decides to take revenge on all women. So every night he'll, every day he'll marry a woman and every night they'll sleep together and the next morning he'll have her executed. And then this went on for almost for for a year and finally the vizier's daughter Shahrazad who had been forbidden from marrying the king volunteered to marry him um, they married and that night she began to tell him a story and it had ins and outs and was fascinating and colorful and there were stories wrapped within stories and by the end of the night she hadn't finished it and the sultan said well I got to hear the rest of the story. She said, oh, no, it's okay. I understand you have to execute me in the morning. And he said, okay, well, I'll stay your execution for another day, and you can tell me the, tell me the end of it tomorrow, and then, then I'll kill you. And she agreed, and the next night she continued the story, but there were still layers within layers, and, and it had all these beautiful messages, and she didn't finish it. And so, again, he stayed her execution, and this happened for a 1,001 nights. At the end of that time, the messages of the story had changed him and changed his mind. And he decided he was a changed man and he said, marry her for real and ruled wisely and justly. And that is my favorite story in the whole world because it's about changing people and making the world better through story. And that's kind of egotistical as a storyteller, but the idea that stories are life-changing is really important to me well plus what a plot i mean talk about stakes if you don't really nail this second to third act transition here it's <laughs> like true. this think, is yeah this is also like a pitch meeting at, at, at a yeah, studio is it's like you know whenever i'm in the booth or on set or something and i'm like like if i don't nail this one it's okay i'm not going to be executed in the morning right i mean that i that's what i loved about scheherazade is it's an allegory for so many ideas first of all the fact that a story can be so gripping that you will save a person's life to hear it or spare a person's life to hear it the next night and she kept it up for three years just about uh, she's really good 
you know, and she had to make sure she doesn't repeat herself so he gets bored. Uh, because if she detected an eye roll, she's thinking, oh, shit. All right, let me. Uh, but then a hurricane hit. What? What? <laughs> I wait, mean, wait, I'm back in. I'm back in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is like when uh, one of the one of the first icons of TV was a man named Sid Caesar. So a lot of my viewers are much younger than me. And Sid Caesar had a show called Your Show of Shows, and it was a sketch show, and it was brilliant. And this is back in the 50s, and he was the star of it, and he had a team of writers, and he used to walk into their room uh, full of writers and hold the script and say, funnier, and throw it down and leave. <laughs> and they would just go, oh, shit. And one of his writers, I think, was Mel Brooks. And uh, they realized, okay, we uh, better make this funnier because we don't want our heads cut off. Because, right. yeah, right. that is an allegory for so many things. Do it now, or your life as you know it is over. And you have to come up with the goods. But of course, now I understand why you don't want to get married. So, yeah, you know, there's know. that other That's thing. Also, that also, like, means so much in my life, that, that story, you know, like storytelling and the importance of, of changing the world. Also, marriage, meh, not a thing. We were, okay. I'm so happy it's working out for you and for all my friends. Like, there's somebody for everybody. See, this is what's great about Erica, ladies and gentlemen. She is one of those people that I hope stays in my life because she is someone. I've only had maybe three conversations with you. This is the third. Yeah, the first yeah. one, yeah. And within 10 seconds of us starting our first conversation on the phone, we were immediately talking about whatever came into our heads. She is so easy to talk to. She's so smart and on the topic and has a frame of reference for everything. And you'll just, you know, this is somebody that when the pandemic lifts, we'll have to get our tribes together and have drinks or whatever passes for beverages in your life. You know, it all depends. And we'll just, okay, yeah, we, you know, I, I, I can tip. Okay, yeah, you're younger. You're young kids. My sport drinking days are behind me, but, um, but yes, we'll, we'll just have to swap stories because this is, um, I say this to my wife, who's a musician. I said, we found our tribe. Our tribe are people that love to sit and chill and talk into the wee hours, and we don't like conventional jobs, and we don't like conventional pathways, and this is just how we are. I, I always talk about how, you know, Los Angeles is, uh, I think I told you about my, my Los Angeles, the city of dreams speech, but. Uh, Let's hear it. You know, it I, I love Los Angeles because it is the city of dreams. Mm -hmm. It is expensive. It is, the traffic is terrible. There's bad smog. It's crowded. But everybody here is here with a dream. They're here from small towns all over the world because they want to make something happen. Everybody from the baristas to the big Hollywood celebrities, everybody is sticking out the traffic and the smog and the high rent because they really believe in something. And that is fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. And it, it can really be a tough and isolating town. But if you find your people, then it's, it's the best place in the world. And I feel so so lucky to have found my people mm -hmm. people who uh you know are just some of the best in the world at what they do and are the kindest goodest people that are are trying to change the world um in whatever way that they can and it's oh 
Give me a little flip here. That's uh, okay. We we encourage that here. It's yeah, fine. It's I it's um I, I feel very fortunate. And yeah, and, and meeting you, it was it was just so easy. We just like talked we talked for like an hour. We were meant to be talking about oh we, we met uh, Mela introduced us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, my dear, dear, dear friend Mela introduced us because um you were you were looking into charity streaming. And right. That is something that you know, I see a lot of my my folks there, Mr. New York to Cali and Phoenix, Scott, and uh, some some of the folks in the chat that have done so much to help raise so much in my community mm-hmm. um, for various causes throughout the years. Over the past, oh my goodness, it's been five years now, I think. Five years? As much. I think I streamed once in the last year, which was more recently. And that wow. was great. Okay. Money for for COVID relief because my my community is amazing. Oh, and I'll take this opportunity to shout out yeah. the donation button down there and also uh, the link in chat. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'll uh, I'll throw it up there again, and one of my mods will do it too. Um, all of the donations go to Color of Change, which is an organization that uses uh, grassroots online campaigns in order to facilitate change uh, and implement racial justice and equality, something, something that I deeply believe in. So all the donations go to that and I will be matching donations up to $500. So if you have not donated to a, a worthy cause recently, and I, I highly recommend this one and your donation will be counted twice since I'll be adding to that. So there you go. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> from the, yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, well, yeah, it was just, so easy. We, we started talking about that and then yeah. we went on gaming and Los Angeles and our right. friends and whatever. It's- I've always described L.A. to people as Hollywood without uh, Hollywood. Rather, I've described as uh, high school without the teachers. So, yeah. So okay. y- imagine what your high school experience might have been like. Although in my case, I went to an all boys military school. So it was a little different. Um, yeah. All boys, private Catholic military school. But it was not a boarding school. You got to go home every day. But, um, yeah, if you remember high school, the same cliques, the same uh, the same just um, bifurcation of different identities and this uh, this idea. I don't know. Well, I'm trying to match heuristics. I don't know. I, think, I don't think I'm there yet. But and then there's no there's no teacher or adult in the room to walk in and say, hey, knock that off. You guys shouldn't be behaving that way. No, Hollywood, no. Yeah. yeah. The difference is, at least now, the yearbook staff is kind of running the show. You know, they, they make decisions on, on projects, and the jocks have to answer to the yearbook staff. But right. there's still the same kind of basic dynamics playing out. But um, I, Patton Oswalt's one of my favorite comics, and he's written a couple of really fun books. And uh, he said in one of them that... Um, he was talking to a friend of his, Blaine Kapatch, who was another like alternative comic. Um, and I guess back when alternative comedy actually was, you know, kind of a movement. I don't know what comedy is anymore, but uh, Blaine was listening to Patton say, yeah, yeah, a lot more. It is different. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Patton was saying, I don't understand this town. I can't take this town. And, and Blaine told him, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, L.A. is like nine towns, okay? There's a lot of different cities, little cities. Just pick the one that you like and move there. And it's true. that Pick the town that you like, move there, and you can visit the other towns. When you've had enough, you go back to your town. This place is huge. 
It's not meant to be just one thing. Ooh, Santa Monica is so different than Silver Lake, is different than downtown, is different yes. than Silver Lake, is different than, you know, uh, Echo Park. Ooh, yeah, you got to find the part of the town that resonates with you. Yeah. I think that, you know, a lot of the folks that complain about L.A., it's like, I think they, like, live in a certain part of it. They, like, come and move to, uh, what is it, like, Silver Lake or something, and then don't leave their neighborhood and have this idea yeah. of, like, this monolithic Los Angeles. Yeah. I, I've lived in different places and sort of am very, I, I grew up here. I, I was born. Okay, here. born and raised. So you're one of the normal ones. Yeah. The most wow. normal people I've met are the people that were born and raised here. Yeah, one of, one of the few. We are, we are unicorns, us. Yeah. And, um, it's just so diverse and interesting. Like one of my favorite places is Little Tokyo in okay. downtown LA. Mm -hmm. um, that was sort of a cultural touchstone for me growing up you know, Japanese American, that's one of the few places that is sort of like a center of culture, Japanese culture in Los Angeles. Um, and, but then, you know, I live in Santa Monica and out mm -hmm. in the suburbs and I was born, you know, born in Hollywood and like a couple of years in Pasadena. And it's just, there's so much life to be lived. In yeah. yeah. And there's, there's a lot of history here. Uh, and it's not even that old as a real city. I mean, people oh, have been here for right. hundreds of years, but yeah, as a city, didn't really come on the map until like the early 20th century, after yeah. the movie industry started getting going. I, a lot of people don't know this, but um, the reason why they made movies in Hollywood is because, first of all, the light is really good. It's better than New York City, yeah. where the, the uh, weather and the weather is better. And uh, Thomas Edison owned the patent for making movies. Yeah. It was just and it was yeah they were pretty close to the border of Mexico and when they found out hey they're making movies out there they could run to Mexico hide and when the authorities got bored and left they would come back and keep making their little movies yeah Thomas Edison had had monopolized the film industry much in the way that he had yeah. sort of like strong armed his way into so much other business and uh moving out to the west coast sort of got it you know got it off of his radar and you can yeah. just kind of want it out here plus yeah i mean it just makes sense you can shoot almost 360 days 365 mm -hmm. days not ah, 360 days a year um because it's just the weather's great yeah here. and plus there's different like biospheres there's mountains and uh you know snow and beaches and forests and desert and so yeah, Los Angeles. Yeah, well, LA. and I'm, I'm so proud of my city, like showing up in in such a big way lately, and, and you know. Well, that's something you did want to talk more about too. Is that we've uh, okay? So we've had a pandemic that we're still in, and I hope you're, I hope you're doing fine and and finding yeah. ways to responsibly be out and and mix it up a little bit, and you know, because we can do that. You know, it's it's challenging, but it can be done. I encourage people Everybody get out. out there, be safe, please. Like it's still the numbers are still very high. Yeah. Like, you know, wear masks statistically, the science proves that that'll be that'll be better. And yes, just stay safe. I just want you all to be safe. Yeah. You don't have to stay in all the time. You need some vitamin D, some natural vitamin D. You need to be out. You need to exercise. 
And yes, if you're going to go for a run, technically you don't need to wear a mask, but people don't just run. They stop. They have a conversation. They go back to running. And then, so take your mask and lower it while you're running. And when you stop, put it back up. You know, this is, this is based on data, not me pushing some, you know, ridiculous ideology. This is not political science. Yeah. Science doesn't care what you believe as, as, uh, as um, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson likes to say, science doesn't care whether you believe in it or not. Okay. Yeah, I um, I go, Just I is. go for that's how I've been sort of getting out and and uh, like getting my head straight is uh, going for night runs. I go around, ah. I don't know, like late at night because there aren't that many people and because it's cooler. It is very hot in Los Angeles right now, everybody. It's a little hot. It's um, a little bit hot. hot. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I go running. I wear a mask in case, and I like pull it down like when there's nobody. Most of the time, there's nobody, but yeah, that's yeah. been how I've been staying kind of safe. Right now, things are gonna lift a little bit over the summer, and uh, hopefully, we will appreciate them responsibly. But you know, we either will or we won't. I have a feeling by the fall, things are gonna lock down a little more. They're they're supposing that the virus will be. Uh, possibly more seasonal and that it will yeah. start to ramp up a little bit. Again, fingers crossed, but it's probably the way it's going to go. But added to that mix is the fact that now we have a very sweeping movement happening across the country, a uh, wave of protests, which I like to point out once again, are almost entirely peaceful. Some of them have been tainted a bit with some violence but we can't always put that on the protesters. A lot of times we have what we call accelerationists jumping into the mix. I've been reading about this. So it's a political cause that has been co-opted by many different elements, but at the heart of all of it is something that should be important to all of us, but I think Erica could probably articulate her point of view. Uh, well, so here, here's the thing. Is, yeah. Is I'm not an expert and I am not. Neither am I. Neither am I. And also, you know, I, my preference has been to give the floor and to elevate and amplify black voices who would have a better understanding of this and um, both personally because they live it and, um, you know, a, a lot of the civil rights leaders now just. They know better than I do. I, I know nothing. Sure. I am just here to sort of support the people that are doing the actual work. But yes, um, human rights has always been a cause that I really believe in. And I'm very kind of proud to say my community, my online community also very much believes in and supports. Uh, yeah, it's it's not political at this point. It is, it is just a human's rights issue and I'm happy to see my city turning out in huge hundred thousand people at protests this weekend. Um, you know, and yeah, it's it's really terrifying that we are in the middle of a pandemic. But yeah, but the fact is, is that this is a life or death issue, and people believe in it enough to risk their lives to go out there. Um, and that's something. This is the change on the scale that we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. you know, um, my dad marched in a lot of the civil rights movements of the 70s, mm -hmm. you know, the March on Washington. And, you know, he told stories about all of that and sort of the feeling there. And this kind of feels like it. And I know that this was sort of a perfect storm 
a terrible perfect storm of us finally having the visibility and the online resources to share information um, of sharing you know evidence and and getting the word out to organize and also all of us you know sort of the anger and the and the you know sentiment building while we've been trapped at home mm -hmm. and yeah i i think now is the time for all of us to sort of educate ourselves and and to learn and to show up and support the movement mm -hmm. uh again shout out to color of change all the donations today go to that yeah um yeah uh, the the link to donate. I think yeah, it's right there. Yeah, the... Stream elements just put it up. Mark uh, Mark Cuban said something uh, interesting today, or at least it was reported on today. And he said that um, people need to be used to, or they need to get used to having uncomfortable conversations. And he yeah. said, especially white people. And he says, I'm Mark is uh, technically he'd be Hispanic, but he says I pass for white. And he says, and I, I should acknowledge that. You know, like I have I have two kids who are multiracial. By, mm -hmm. by definition, they are multiracial, but they pass for white. They look, they look whiter than their mom does. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, for me, I, since I'm, I'm light-skinned Asian, you know, and very, for a very long time, Asians have been held up as a model minority, you know, uh -huh. uh, which is, there's all these problems with that, too. It's even become its own sort of myth. I, I will see that in argument. Stop throwing the model minority myth at me when you're yeah. trying to make your argument for why it was okay to kneel on a guy for nine minutes, you know? Yeah, so, it's, yeah. It's They're like, well, why, you know, eh, it's a whole thing. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I have a lot of privilege because of that, because I'm light skinned and, and, you know, Asian. And so I have to do my best to educate myself as well. Cause look, you, we, were, we were talking about this earlier, how everybody, we make mistakes. Yeah. You know, don't know better but then all we can do um is once we know better is to try and be better right now yeah. um one thing that i still see a lot of and like i said i have and, and by the way if anyone has any opinions on the on this on the chat throw them out there that's fine you guys know what's appropriate what's not appropriate i've i you know we're on the honor system here if you want to if you want to uh, throw up your opinion on what's going on, I'm cool with that. So that's fine. We can we can uh, turn this into as uh, as useful a conversation as possible. Yeah. So yeah, I having grown up in the South and having grown up around a lot of racism, a lot of it casual, a lot of it systemic, and a lot of it, I mean, if there is such a thing, utterly innocent, just people not knowing, just people having no idea that what they're saying and doing is hurtful or in a way keeping another person from meeting their potential. And I remember, and it takes for a lot of people that get very defensive about this, especially my friends back in the South, I know they're being very defensive about what's going on right now. They want to hold on to a lot of their cherished beliefs, things that they grew up believing that they now realize that it's just not true, but they're not ready to give it up. I want to let them know Okay, look, you're not going to just suddenly have a switch flip on in your head. But if you're exposed to a different opinion over time, you might see the usefulness of it. You might see that your old beliefs don't really belong in the world anymore. And then it's not going to kill you to let them go. And it's, it's going to be a lot easier than you think it is 
because I marrying a woman of color for me is something that you're only now seeing more and more back where I came from. It's not something that was done when I was growing up. It was very rare. Oh, yeah. And I, I began to notice by using social media, and this is why I'm not on Facebook anymore. I got off Facebook in 2016. I had had enough. But yeah. I got people I know back in the South that still are holding on to some ideas that are not moving the world forward. And so basically... I don't talk to them, and there's nothing to talk to them about right now, but what I'm hoping they'll discover is that um, they're not going to lose something important to them by getting on board with this. I think a lot of people are afraid. I think that's why Trump got a lot of votes. I think a lot of people didn't like the way the world was looking to them, and they're convinced that someone was here to take their shit. And, you know, I'm just trying to tell people that, you know— um, if everyone gets treated equally, I don't know why you think you have to lose something for that. You right. know, uh, it's well, they're going to lose certain advantages. Sure. Yeah. Well, but I've heard, you know, the saying and I think it's a it's, you know, it makes sense that for a long time, if you're if you're used to privilege, uh, equality feels like. Yeah. Like you lost something. Like you lost something. Yeah. So yeah, technically, yes, you guys are going to lose a lot of your advantages, but you know what? You, you're going to be fine. Okay. <laughs> so. yeah, and I think about sort of all the times in my life where I had something easier than somebody else and everything. And so I don't know. And, and I'm like, well, no, it makes sense that I wouldn't want to raise everybody else up, you know? Um, yeah. Well, here's a comment. Epic Gamer 8-Bit. I feel like a lot of white people are in danger in the U.S. too because of what our ancestors did, we still get hate and threats for. Epic Gamer, I understand this feeling, okay? You're talking to a white guy. I'm, I'm about as white as they come. I, but let's put it this way. If Mitt Romney can march and say Black Lives Matter, it's okay, okay? Mitt Romney's the whitest guy in the world, and Mitt is far from perfect. Even Mitt realizes that there's some imbalance going on. And yes, there are going to be people out there who are going to hate you for the color of your skin, okay? And it doesn't mean they're right, and it doesn't mean that's the whole world. Just realize that we're trying to rectify something that has been going on for a long, long time, and it's not going to be absolutely perfect. If anyone's making you feel unsafe because of the color of your skin, well, first of all, two things. Number one, distance yourself from that person. And second of all, you now have an idea of what it's like to be someone who is treated differently because of the color of their skin. So it can still be a useful experience. I don't know. Do you have anything to add to that, Eric? Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, and that's the thing is um, it's, yeah, it's our job to sort of like explain to people, you know, you know, to, to sort of do the work of explaining to people that we care about, you know, why this, why this is, of having those uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, it's you know? going to be uncomfortable for a lot of people. And for a lot of people, it's going to be a breath of fresh goddamn air. You know, it's like, well, I'm glad to hear you guys finally talking about this. I've right. been screaming it at you for years, yeah. so. Yeah, no, I mean, I, our, our job as allies is to sort of have those conversations and, and discuss it and, and try to get people to understand. Um, yeah, no, that's that's well put. I mean, because the thing about systemic injustice 
is that, you know, even if it's not like a case by case basis, it's the whole idea that the system is stacked against. Yes. People, yes. So it, it, it goes beyond the idea of like prejudice, which is that what that is the idea. Of, yes. You know, like you don't like somebody for the color of their skin. It's yeah. more that like it is hard to get alone because of the right. color of their skin. You know? Right. Yeah. And I mean, and, you know, growing up there were, I, I feel very lucky that my parents, you know, very much, you know, made me aware of things and gave me sort of diverse books to read or, um, you know, taught me things outside of the honestly not very robust uh, American education system. Uh, but, you know, there's still a lot that I had to learn and that I still do have to learn. And right now it's been really great. There have been a lot of lists circulating of, you know, like on Twitter of, you know, black authors to read or mm -hmm. black journalists to follow um, people in like gaming. Uh, there's the black game dev list where, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just a, a comprehensive searchable database of black game developers and, you know, what, you know, hire them or follow their or follow their Twitter. Um, and for voice actors as well, you know, there's been some great threads of black voice actors in the community um, and how to support their work and um, diversify the pool. Um, and that's one thing that I have really appreciated is seeing the voiceover community really show up for this. Oh, yeah. For um, a lot of... Uh, it's a very complicated thing, diversity in voiceover, because, you know, a lot of people are under the impression, oh, it should be, it's, it's colorblind, it's just your voice, you know, there's, there, there are no sort of elements, it's just whoever's right for the role, which is not how it works, you know, depending on your name, depending on your sort of regional accent, uh, depending on if you've had the opportunity to, to sort of get into the industry or get noticed or know the right people, you know, all of that affects your chances as a voice actor. And, and so, I mean, and you know, like stop me if, if, you know, you, well, you know. it is like you say, it's very complicated because one of the things I've always loved about voiceover is that I had a place to put all of this creative energy and all of the different voices I could do. And I love fostering someone else's talent as well. If somebody can sound like someone else, that's wonderful. That's a gift. Cherish it. Use it. Develop it. I can sound like I'm from this place. Good. Develop that. Use it. That's part of your gift. That's part of who you are. If you put a bunch of these people in a room and have them audition for a part, and one of them is from that place, and another one can sound like they're from that place, but they can act even better than they can, they might get chosen. This happens a lot. And yes, there's a tipping point. It's a lot of times it's it's really weird. There's a, a famous Supreme Court case where they were talking about obscenity, and one of the judges said, uh, "I know it when I see it." <laughs> you know, right? that's yeah, yeah, I, I that yeah. In yeah, in communication, uh, we had one communication law class where we actually studied as nasty as they want to be the album. Uh, we didn't listen to the album. It's not a very listenable album, uh, but, you know, it was Luke Skywalker, the two live crew, that case about obscenity. And so they had to detail ways that a thing could be seen as obscene in the same way that you could sort of 
look, you could make a bullet point list of whether or not someone is being exclusionary or not diverse enough in casting, but a lot of times it just has to pass a certain instinctive smell test because sometimes you just don't know. I mean, Apex Legends, a game I'm proud to be a part of, I'm showing them off today, has bent over backwards to be as diverse as possible, not just in their casting, but in who they're creating. And some people still aren't happy. Some people say, well, you're not, Mela gets this, you're not black enough to be lifeline. I, I know, oh my gosh. Now she's gotta, yeah, now she's gotta, she's gotta establish her, her, her bona fides. Yes. And I'm just thinking, well, you know what? That's a problem with being, you know, um, there, there is sort of like a purity test you have to pass. Like for me, I am mixed yeah. um, Japanese and Chinese, mm -hmm. a little bit Indian. And, you know, when I went to Japan, they were like, oh, cause you know, the Japanese are very, a lot of Japanese are, are very sort of. Very protective of the culture, are they not? Culture. There's an in. They value the in group, you know. So they uh -huh. have family or you know people that are, are are part of the culture. Um, and so unless you're like sort of born and raised completely Japanese, you're considered an outsider. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but you know, when I went to China and visited a Chinese family, it was like they're like, don't tell anybody you're part Japanese. Um, you're Japanese, you know, because. And then here in America, I'll I'll never be considered fully American. You know, I'll never be considered sort of like an all American girl. Well, that's just because you haven't seen Psycho. So that's... <laughs> that's true. The great American class. Come on. Come yeah. on. Um, and, and so there's sort of that purity test. But then also, I mean, you know, and so, so for voiceover, I, I'm so grateful for the opportunity for all these characters that I've gotten to play and, and for the sort of diversity of kinds of roles I've gotten to play, like young boys and old women and, uh, you know, badass chicks and like, yeah. teenagers. Um, Sometimes, as as a person of color, your opportunities are still more limited for voiceover roles, and I'm grateful that my agency will send me out for anything. You know, they that they think yeah, male. I have specifically said I will not audition for black, Latino, you know, native uh, or indigenous, um, anything that's sort of like non-white or non-Asian, because those are opportunities that should go to the people that match those ethnicities. And you say like, well, why is that important? Well, you know, you have a unique perspective on that and on the character and on the role that you're playing as an actor if you belong to that group. But then furthermore, those are opportunities that don't come around as often. You know, there are so many fewer characters, uh, you know, that are that are black or Hispanic, um, mm -hmm. Latino. And we're seeing more of it. We're seeing more of it. But yes, this is this is a long process. Fewer characters that, mm -hmm. that that you know are those are, are those types, and you know a lot of times there is still discrimination based on what you look like for casting, and I don't know if it's you know subconscious or not. There, you know, there's still a lot to um, sort of explore and learn and correct in voiceover and to their, to everybody's credit, I've seen so much of the industry turn out and say like, I'm educating myself, I'm, I uh, am committed to being better and I'm seeing a lot more breakdowns that specify we want somebody who matches this ethnicity um, for this role. Yeah, I, yeah, it is something that, 
on, like on a case-by-case -case basis, depending on the project, um, I worked on a game for Respawn, the same company that makes Apex, which I can't discuss any you know real specifics, but one of the people in the cast is playing um, uh, somebody that you would not think they would play. And I had no idea either, but there was such a great actor. I thought, okay, yeah, I don't care. You know, it's, it's a great performance and you'll see it when the game comes out and there'll be more context for it. And so, yeah, my feeling is that um, another example I use is uh, Carlos Alazraki, who you may know, but he is a very talented voice actor, can do everything you could think of. Very funny comic, and I've gotten to know him a bit. Yeah, he's great. Well, he was, um, let's see, geez, he's got so many damn credits, but he's mainly known for Rocco's Modern Life on Nickelodeon, which is something you might have grown up with. He's Rocco. He's Rocco. Well, Carlos is Argentinian, and uh, yeah, it doesn't sound anything like Rocco. And I, no, I mean, this is back in the 90s, so nobody made a fuss about that. Carlos currently does the voice of a Scottish chieftain in uh, How to Train Your Dragon, like a, a junior series of that. So, oh, okay. so here's Carlos, who is Latin, and he's playing a Scottish chieftain. And I, for one, am just really proud that, you know, Carlos is kicking ass like he always is. Sounds exactly like a Scottish chieftain should. Nobody kicked up a fuss that a, a Latin guy was playing a Scottish guy. This is one of those times where I just thought, just give it to the best guy. You know, you're going to know it when you see it. If you're casting for something that is very specifically a minority experience and you give it to me because I maybe I had the best read. Well, first of all, I wouldn't have the best read. <laughs> it's just not possible. But let's say somebody did and you gave it to them. You're thinking that's not going to be a good fit. If it's about a different experience, even if they're the best actor in the world, there's there's a certain amount of promotion and press and optics that come with it. And if you want people to believe that you're being authentic, you should cast authentically. Yeah, it's it's about there. So there's a couple, as you said, like there's the authentic authenticity aspect of it. Um, and, and also, you know, the idea that like you looked you looked everywhere for the best person for the role. And you're saying that there's like no people of that ethnicity that were good enough to, to fill that role. It's like representation is important and seeing people, not just characters that look like you, but people that play them that look like you are yeah. really important. Like growing up, um, Lauren Tom is a huge mm -hmm. hero of mine. Um, she's, she is a, um, Amy in Futurama, and she's uh, Connie and uh, her mother in uh, in King of the Hill, and you know uh, Terry McGinnis's girlfriend, and just like seeing an Asian American woman doing in voiceover um, was really important, mm -hmm. and and sort of you know a way of, of me saying like, oh, I could do that because, uh, you know, I did on camera before and I love on camera and I'm still pursuing on camera, but for on camera, you tend to get pigeonholed, you know? Right. Um, not just, you know, like how you look, like, do you fit like, you know, best friend looking or nice girl or femme fatale, but also, you know, definitely based on your race. Yeah. And voiceover has opened up that world for me. I've gotten to, you know, play roles that I would never dream of getting to play if it were on camera. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, yeah. And I'm happy to see that the industry is doing the work 
to diversify and to raise up um, people of color and, and to be inclusive. Yeah. A lot of these points of view I get through my wife vicariously because she, like you, doesn't belong to one particular culture, at least from that culture's point of view. She has darker skin, but uh, she has uh, very, very curly hair naturally. And then she had two babies, and then her hair got straight. It's really weird how hormones work. Yeah. yeah her hair got straight. Yeah. Yeah, true. for sure. But she tells me that when she grew up, she had an afro. and But she wasn't completely, you know, she didn't have uh, more, I guess, African facial features that people are used to seeing. And so she wasn't black. She wasn't Latina. She wasn't European. She wasn't accepted anywhere. She said, I've always been an outcast. I've always been an outlier. I'm just used to it. And it actually, um, for her, she just used this as fuel. She's used to just working for everything she gets. Yes, sweetheart. Speaking of which, you want to say hey? Hey, yes. Um, done. Uh, <laughs> it's upstairs in the roof, so. Oh. Hi. Hi. I was just telling him that your hair got straight after you had babies, but you grew up with an afro, but yes. you weren't black, you weren't Latina, you weren't European, like you were always on the outside. Yes. And um, as I grew up in the 80s as a teen, that's a lot at uh, the time that a lot, a lot of uh, androgynous start happening of the look that you, you're like, you're not really a girl, you're not really a boy because you didn't have the, the typical hair and all that, so. Yeah, she shaved her head one time when she was younger. Yeah. So yeah, she's done all that. Yeah, I shaved it again after the heart attack. These days, I'm gonna get yeah, full. Yep. Well, good to see you. Okay. <laughs> good to see you. Hi, America. Uh, it's nice to meet you. Yeah. Um. I know they're they're used to her. wife finder as they call her because I'm pathfinder, so she's wife finder. My kids, son and daughter finder. Yeah. We're that cut. We're that couple. We're the PDAs and all that oh, stuff. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, no, See, yeah. I'm happy that like marriage is not for me, but I'm so happy it's working out for my friends. Let me use this as a sidebar on it doesn't have to be marriage. This is what a wise friend taught me. And when I say wise friend, the people who've watched my stream know that was my cognitive behavioral therapist back in uh, in my 30s because <laughs> I did cognitive behavioral therapy in it, and I'm a Big believer in it. Oh, so, heck yeah, I do, I do. I, I have a therapist. Thank goodness for my therapist. Y'all, yeah. if you can, like, highly recommend therapy. You can We're touching it. all the bases today, no, ladies and gentlemen. Also a huge thing in my online community. Like, yep. we, we've done a lot of fundraising for that. Like, boy, you know, there's, there's places you can find sliding scale. The National yeah. Alliance on Mental Illnesses will help, like, give you a flow chart of, like, how to find therapy. And yeah. And Highly recommend therapy, especially at this point in our in our lives. Yes, and for people, well, for people who aren't sure about therapy, it's because look, a lot of people don't like to be, think that they're mentally ill. Technically, my therapist told me he says right now you are mentally ill. You're not well. It doesn't mean I needed to be in a straitjacket. Doesn't even mean I needed to be on medication because I never did medication. He said, just right now, you're not as healthy as you could be mentally. We're gonna get you there. And so a lot of people have a stigma. They think mentally ill. They think that you're, you know, you're living on the street, although most people on the street do have some form of mental illness because their coping skills are compromised. But the point is, is that people think, oh, well, I'm hurting. I'm just going to suck it up and I'm going to get through it. Well, there's something to be said for sucking it up, but there's also something to be said for realizing when you're hurting and saying, I should deal with this. I should cope with this in a healthy way. 
hopefully with a professional guiding me. Because if you don't have a professional guiding you, yes, you were going to say something. No, no, Maya WTF in the chat has like, I love yeah. this comparison. Yeah, if you break a bone. Sick, yep. You go to the doctor. If your brain isn't doing quite what it's supposed to, you go to the brain doctor. Exactly. You got to yes. get, get your chemicals sorted. Right. And depending on where you are, like my guy always believed that he could get anybody to a certain place. Now, if you were at a point where you could not receive information because you were really mentally struggling, you say, okay, medication it is until we can get you to where you're receiving information, where you're balanced. Some people think differently. They believe in medication on an ongoing basis to keep them balanced. It's whatever works for you. Like, like chemicals, yeah. brain chemicals. You got to get your brain chemicals right. No matter right. What. And uh, in, in certain cases, like in my case, your chemistry is affected by your thoughts, which also affect your chemistry and your actions. It all goes into a stew, okay? The point being that if you're not making great decisions, you could use some professional guidance to help you. Once you get there, you start making better decisions, you start improving the quality of your life, your relationships improve, the way you interact with society improves, Everything gets better. So you're not just doing it for you. You're doing it for everyone else in your life as well. We all benefit. And the woman that just walked into this room and brightened up everybody's day and walked back out again, I was not ready for until I was 38 years old. Because if I had met her before then, I would have fucked it up somehow. I would I would have just messed it up. I just, I know me back then. And what happened was, I was finally at a place where I was ready to, you know, be the person I needed to be. And she could see that, you know what, he's trying. He's always trying to be better. And what we have is what my therapist told me. He said, marriage is just another place. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just another place to be. Where you want to be is you want to be in a great relationship. That's all. You don't have to get married. If you're in a great relationship, then... That's all you need to do. If you want to take that step and get married for legal reasons, do it. If you don't want to, fine. Stay in that great relationship. Also, I don't know. Relationships also are like, I don't know. I can't. I it can't, depends on how you define them. I can't. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine loving someone and like being loved as much as I love and I'm loved by my friends. I know that's a weird thing to say, but like, I don't know. Like. I feel like I have all of in my life that I'll ever really need. If you feel like you're getting all of your needs met, living the way you're living right now, then there's nothing that needs to be changed. I mean, I'm in quarantine, so you know. that Nobody's getting all their needs met right nobody's now. Nobody's getting what they need. But Are you like, kidding me? Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. Well, um, speaking of friends, I just got a text um, from Darren DePaul who sent Darren to you and to the chat. Darren is Darren the man. DePaul one of the world's loveliest human beings. He sure is. Most talented men. Uh, perfect, perfect human. Uh, says hello. So you know. My interview with Darren is up on YouTube right now, so you guys can watch that. Um, don't leave the stream yet. We still have more with Erica. But um, here's, here's the way I look at the relationships, because this is the way he described it to me. He said, you need four things. Four. And they don't come in any particular order. One is not more important than the other. Mm -hmm. You need chemistry, which means when you see each other, you want to jump each other's bones. And chemistry does this, by the way. It's not always at 10. It ebbs and flows. You just realize that. Yeah. Okay, so you need chemistry. You need somebody that you can laugh with, that you can just have a good time with. 
You need somebody with a good heart. That means they understand that when they give to you, it makes them feel good because they like that you're feeling good. So they like to make other people feel good by being generous, whether it's with their time, their attention, their action. And they know that because that person feels good, they feel good. That's a, that's a good heart. So you need chemistry. You need someone you can laugh with, someone who has a good heart, and someone who just, you just like to be around them. And I deciphered what he meant by that. They just let you be yourself. They just let you be you. Because who are the people you love to be around the most? The people that accept you for who you are. You're the most relaxed around them. So if you find someone you got chemistry with, someone that loves to give, someone that you know you can laugh with, you can just have a good time with, and someone who just accepts you for who you are, while of course inspiring you to be better, then boom, that's a person you want to be in a relationship with. I feel like that's a lot, like that's all, you know, I guess, yeah, yeah, my friend friendships like can, can tick all those boxes though, right? You have chemistry with your friends? Like, well, I'm talking about like, well, look, it depends on how much sex is an important part of your life, you know, friends like, you know, play tabletop games together knows we have like, you no, know, we have like a level of chemistry, you know, well, but, there's, uh, there's it. We're getting into a whole different realm right there because look, if it look, some people have different needs than others as far as the level of how much they may want it. For some people, sex is a much bigger part of a relationship than it is for other people. I can get sex from the people that I don't have the three other ones. No, sorry, is that TMI? We've like talked like. No, I don't care about that. Yeah. No, I throw it all out there. We're adults. These are adults talking. We can talk about whatever you want. Great advice, and yeah, no, I I can see that that's that those are like like really beautiful like fundamental. Well. Yeah. But like, yeah, I I don't know. If it's it's not your thing, it's not where you are in your life. You're so young. You have all this time because in my case, I thought, you know, look, I might just be the cool uncle who never gets married or has kids, but yeah. that's fine. I'll be happy with that. But then I met a girl and I always thought to myself, I'm not going to go get married just so I can have kids. I thought if I meet the right gal, then I'll be happy with her. And if she wants to have kids, great, we'll make that decision. And we were both older. My wife is a uh, six months older than me. She just looks 20 years younger. Um, but we decided, yeah, we'd like to have kids. And so we realized that, all right, we'd better get this right. Because when you're having a child with someone, you're making a very, very large commitment with that person. Yeah. So it was important that I get those things from her because I don't want to think, well, we don't have great chemistry, but she's got the other three things. So I guess maybe she'll just let me play the field a little bit. It's like, no, you kind of need to just be with each other. But in your case, you know, like that's not a requirement yeah. in all relationships. Yeah, it's the that's the thing is that he said he told me he said, look, you can kind of make a relationship work with three out of those four things, but it's ideal to have four. Yeah. And also, yeah, the idea is like you like you found this person that you had all of them with, and then also you wanted kids. I think I I don't I'm never gonna have kids. That is definitely out out of the question so i feel like good for you for knowing that yeah yeah yeah. i I think i've I've just always known that but i will say i'm very excited about being an aunt um 
when my like my sister doesn't have kids kids yet and everything but like she's gonna and i'm gonna wait till they they're seven and i can buy them a drum set and everything because they're old enough that it's like they're gonna remember if mom takes away that drum set and everything and it's just uh i have so many great plans to be an amazing aunt uh and also a terrible troll and a terrible troll yeah oh yeah also a terrible troll like i mean <laughs> what parent like would you want your kids to have a drum set well that's the thing about being the cool aunt or uncle it's like uncle chris lets us do this uncle chris doesn't have to do the hard work they just show up and they dazzle you i'm gonna give and they leave so much sugar like it's gonna be like they're gonna be snorting pixie sticks and yeah. then i just hand them back to mom and dad i am gonna be the best aunt but this is what makes you a look this is what makes you a valuable member of society you know who you are and you know what you want and you know what you don't want and you're not a person who's out there saying well I, all my friends are getting married i should get married well now i'm married what do i do well they're having kids i should have kids you, you've I, I, thought it through. Yeah, I also have to give a lot of credit to my parents and to my family of never sort of pressuring me to be anything that I didn't want to be. You know, dis growing up with discipline and making sure that I, you know, yeah. had, you know, education and, and, you know, the tools that I needed, you know, but like they never pressured me like to get married or like date That's great. or to, you know, have kids or you know, and like they, you know, encouraged me going into the arts. They're the ones that put me into acting when I was little. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I was. I did the whole child actor thing, by the way. Okay. Chris. Well, I got two kids that uh, they both do voiceover auditions, and my son does jobs. And I've asked him. They sent you an on-camera self-tape. Do you want to do this? It's like one of those shows you like to watch. And he said, No. And Not I thought. He's not into it. And it's funny because he loves to have people to perform in front of. But when it gets a little bit more structured and it gets a little bit more real, he's hesitant. I thought maybe he's insecure and I should help his confidence by sort of pushing him to do it. And I thought, mm, uh, no, I think, you know what? He's eight. He's going on nine. Why don't I give him a few years and not care? <laughs> because if he wants to. He'll do it. I got my SAG card at 30, for God's sake. So. Oh, man. I got mine at like. He got his at six. <laughs> so. I think it must have been like I was about six or seven when I got yeah. I yeah. yeah. The point being, we have two kids and we're thinking, all right, we're going we're gonna to homeschool them now. We're going to educate them. And what we want to do. That is such a commitment. It Good is. It is. What we've decided what we want our kids to be is people who love to learn, who are curious about the world, who know how to love themselves and love others with respect and understand who they are, understand what they love and chase it. So if you want to be happy in this life, you can't just get a job just to get a job. Unless, of course, you have mouths to feed, then go get whatever job you can get. Feed those mouths. But if you have the ability to choose just for yourself, then choose a passion and make it work. Learn how to monetize it so you can pay your bills so you won't ever have to answer to somebody that you don't want to answer to. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we are extremely privileged to get to do what we do. And I was oh, yeah. extremely privileged to have parents that were supportive of that and to like be able to sort of like get by, you know, like with, you know, my day jobs or, you know, 
or like help from other people, from significant others, you know, to like live my life, you know, until I was successful enough on my own. But, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I have, I have this shirt, you know, that I sell and all the proceeds go to charity, uh, eat the rich. And it's like, I, st- I like, it started out as like, ha, this is a funny thing. Oh, this is something that this character that I play would wear. And then it become like, no, really though, like redistribute wealth though. Like, ha, like we're not going to really eat them, but like, but like, you know, but, but also, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, because, because honestly, like seeing the, like, the absolute weight of the system crushing poor people. Um, oh yeah. Like most people in this world. Yeah. It's like it's just it's it makes my blood boil and like you know, I think there is that feeling, you know, sort of the feeling of inequity that you know everybody understands and then I hope we all sort of unite to, you know, overthrow the system, I guess. There's different ways to I, stream, Chris. What's that? Thanks for inviting me on your stream, Chris. Oh, sure. And by the way, you can come back anytime because at a certain point, like I said, you and I are, and and this is what I like, you and I are not going to be in lockstep about every single thing we believe. And there's going to occasionally be these moments where you go, nah, I don't agree with that. Fine. That's great because it continues the conversation. Now, in this case, I actually am somebody who used to be much more conservative. I was never really socially very conservative. Well, but you said of your up because of your upbringing. My part of it was my upbringing. My mom is she calls herself a yellow dog Democrat. She would vote for a yellow dog if it was a Democrat. That's where that saying comes from. She was just all across the board Democrat. My dad uh, was more of a sort of a you know '60s Democrat, which means that he he didn't become socially more progressive till he got older. So, you know, and this was their generation. It's just it's something they always tell you. I always grew up hearing like, oh, you'll get more conservative, conservative as you get older. But it's like the Some, opposite kind of happened. Now, to me, I got more progressive as I got older. And yeah. like, look, I, I make a good living, you know. Um, I also remember when I made Dick and I never liked paying taxes because I didn't like what the government did with my money. I thought they wasted it. I have a brother who is a budget analyst in D.C., my father was deputy director of standards and technology for the federal government. He's seen a lot of waste in his life. He ran an agency that would do research, and they turned a profit. Whoever heard of a government agency turning a profit? Yeah. He would do high-risk um, uh, research for companies that couldn't afford to take the chance of it not working out. My mom worked at Army Corps of Engineers. She saw a lot of waste, and yet I will gladly pay more taxes than the average guy because I can afford to. And I'm just going to hope that they put it into things that it needs to go to. And if I get a chance to vote on it, I will vote on it. So, hey, um, let's put more into the roads. Let's put more into libraries. Let's change the way we spend money on schools because we waste a lot of money on education. We think that we're doing the right thing with education. And I have a that'd be a whole other thing right there. And I you're homeschooling your kids now yeah and and i'm pulling them out of a very good montessori school and i love the montessori method of educating and that's what i think every school should be like because the traditional way of educating i think is designed to get kids to go work in a cubicle and not talk to their neighbor and just produce and then go home and by the way don't talk to anybody while you're here it's an outdated method that's a whole different concept right there 
Some kids do very well in traditional education. They love doing homework. They'll do all the work you give them. When I, when but I think man. back to my my school, like, because, like, I went to schools in good districts, you know, and everything. Yeah. And, you know, I was very fortunate. I was very privileged. But, like, I think back to, you know, like, the things that they left out of our education or in the ways yeah. in which I was different. And, that like, my I remember my school counselor telling my mom, like, it is not our job to make sure every child reaches their potential. She's like, I thought that was exactly what your job was. So isn't that kind of why I leave my kid with you for six hours yeah. a day? Uh, you know, so, and like, you know, again, I was lucky to have my mom go to bat for me for, for different things. But I think back onto all of the ways in which we were sort of like tried to shove, be shoved yeah. into this mold. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and it's, you know, I, I think, the, the systems, Leo, the systems all need a really good overhaul. They need review. I'm not smart enough to like say how or how to do it, but yeah, like you know, education deserves more money, and, and I would gladly pay extra taxes, you know, if I if I was doing well enough to to make that happen because education is sort of how the rest of society flourishes, you know. Oh sure, like it's a it's a public. Um... It's a public safety issue, too. I mean, the people who commit most of the violent crimes tend to be people who grew up with uh, little or no education. Their prospects were limited. Whenever you have uh, a bad economy, crime goes up because people's options get limited. Whenever you have people get a crappy education, just so many doors get shut in their face. Right. My, my sticking point with education is they've taken such a rote approach to so many kids and thinking that you learn this way the same as them. And my my experience with it was our son in kindergarten went to a public school down the street, a charter school, which got all these great reviews. And within a week, he was behind because he wasn't learning the way they liked to teach. And after a few weeks, I was trying to work with him to get him help, to get him sped up. And he was already behind and he was a little younger than most of the kids, but he was old enough to be there. Finally, after about a month, I told the teacher, I said, you know, he's having a problem learning this stuff. I'm teaching him a little bit better at home because he's just more relaxed. He doesn't like how this is all going. And she said, well, if he doesn't get it by Christmas, he'll just repeat the year. And I wanted to punch the entire school when I heard that. Because this was, I wasn't talking to a person. I was talking to a system that said, you learn this way. If you don't yeah. learn this way, you come back and do it again. It's like, well, what about the friends he was making? They move on and he doesn't. Now he thinks he's dumb and he's not dumb. He's actually very bright. And I became enraged because they didn't care. And so when a system decides, no, we do it this way and that's it. And if your kid doesn't measure up, then we categorize them. I thought, well, you failed my child. All right? My child's not failing you. Yeah. You're failing him. All you needed to do was figure out that he doesn't learn that way. Is there a different way you could teach him? Because he wants to learn. He likes learning. So instead of uh, like you could give that school all the money in the world, but they're going to they're not going to know how to teach every kid because of how they're teaching. So for me, it's about doing the best you can. And yes, it's it's never a bad thing to have extra funds. But my thing is do it the right way. And I don't think schools teach uh, enough where they make something fun. You know, uh, you you learn when you're relaxed and when you're open minded and having a good time, you receive information so well.
all the teachers that I know, it's like they have to like buy their own supplies. Yeah. They're like they're not paid for when they put up set do their homework or the grading or yeah. plans. And it's just you know, I man, yeah. System system needs adjusting. System. Have you read about Finland and their system? I'm not actually. I think you would love this. Finland about 40 years ago had horrible national test scores. They just said our kids just aren't learning very well. And they as a country, now of course Finland is much smaller, much more homogeneous, but they said as a country we are deciding we're going to go all in on changing our approach. And they said we're going to make it so that um, kids will not be burdened with a bunch of work. They will learn something when they are developmentally ready to learn it, not because they're a certain age. They don't even teach reading until a kid is seven or eight. And yeah, and then they learn it like that. They learn it immediately. Now, if the kid wants to learn sooner, they'll teach it. So they do not spend that much time doing work. They spend a lot of time playing. Teachers in Finland basically have the status of doctors and lawyers. It's a very prestigious profession. It takes a lot to get to be a teacher in Finland, especially of young kids. They spend a lot of time just playing. They said kids need to play. People don't realize this. They're kids. When they play, they have fun. They're relaxed. They become more creative, and they become more receptive to knowledge. And it took a while, but their scores began to go up, 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 up. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of, factors and involved in there but yeah that's yeah that's it's fascinating. counterintuitive um, to what a lot of people think but again, yeah like you know i i don't i'm never gonna have i don't have kids i'm never gonna have kids so it doesn't yeah. really like doesn't impact me but like heck yeah i want our future generation to like be taken care of and like learn and be happy yeah I, I don't know, it's just it seems simple to me be be curious people be critical thinkers to you know what I would love for more people to learn is how to handle disagreement because uh, oh, oh, yeah. here, here's another thing I've talked about too, about like what they need to add in schools that we, sure. like, we didn't learn social skills in school about, uh, like, yeah. like, you know, yeah. Like conflict resolution yeah. or consent or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like there's just these things that, that seem so obvious that like adults like like empathy classes yeah like empathy classes i mm-hmm. feel like if they had empathy training all throughout uh you know school then yeah. the world would be a more caring better just much better place yeah you know and and because like emotional intelligence is definitely an important skill and and very important like i don't know why it's not stressed more in schools this is an interesting concept. Um, there's a neuroscientist I like to listen to a lot, Sam Harris, and he had somebody on that says, yeah, he says, most people don't know. Uh, they know that they think, but they don't know why they think or how they think. They don't analyze their own thoughts enough. Now, there's something to be said for not spending too much time in your head because that's not good because then you're, you're cutting off your connection to other people. Like introspection is yes. so valuable, and we don't teach that in school. Yeah, people. I, I had learned things about that. You know, like I, I'm a very deep feeling and emotional person, but mm-hmm. I wish that I had been taught more about empathy and yeah. how to interact with others when I was younger. 
Yeah, well, it gives you context for everything. It gives you perspective because when you understand why you think the way you do, you might say, you know, I never liked that I get upset at this thing and I know that I shouldn't. I should examine why that is. Perhaps I could figure out a way to approach it differently. And when a person learns how to evaluate their thoughts, they don't just accept them blindly and say, well, that's just who I am. You create who you are. Some of who you are is factory installed. We have tendencies. We have inclinations. We have our nature. But a lot of it you can create. This, by the way, does not mean you can pray away the gay, okay? Because that shit don't happen, all right? You are who you are in that regard. So stop trying to change that. Thing. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, happy Pride Month, everybody. Oh, it's Pride uh, Month? Oh, I it is. Know. It is Pride Month, yeah. All right, well, happy Pride Month. On Sunday, the the Pride Parade was canceled, but now it has become a Solidarity March uh, uh, run by Black Lives Matter. And there you go. There's one on Sunday in L.A. if anybody's going. All right. Um, yeah, I... It's it's true. I, I think that there's there's a lot that is important that that is just not taught in schools. I'm glad your kids are gonna forget that. Well, we're gonna try. You know, it's <laughs> know thyself. Uh, there is a great line in the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie. What is it? Uh, oh, like Dead Man's Chest. Yes, yeah. thank you very much. Um, the first the, one is a perfect movie. The first Pirates is perfect. Like I I enjoyed it thoroughly. It's perfect. I I was disappointed in the second one. I'm not gonna lie. Were you? Uh, I was because I just felt like the storylines were all over the place. Oh, like, I couldn't understand anything that was going on. Happen and like, but my God, like Bill Nye's performance is so good. Like, just yeah. there's some amazing parts of the second movie. Yeah, uh, the third one is unwatchable, but uh, the first one, uh, yes, is absolutely slam bang home run. And I, I actually enjoyed the second one even more, and I'm not sure why, because I had no clue what was happening. But I saw it with a packed house, and my God, did we have a great time. That sounds like a great experience. Oh, yeah, I missed that. Um, but there's a great line in that movie. And at the time, I was kind of going through my little existential, God, I really got to get a handle on things and yeah. working with my guy. And there's a line that is one of the villains. He says, there's something to be said for knowing one's place in the world. And that stuck me like a tuning fork. And I said, that's really just what I'm trying to figure out. You know, that's all we're all trying to figure out. We need context. We need perspective. When you know who you are, you are the most self-actualized you could possibly be. You are a light that draws other people to you. You're a rock. You are strength. And when you know that about yourself, people just, they, they wonder why they want to be around you. And if you can help someone reach that, then you've created a bunch of rocks and pillars and lights in the world. And, um, you know, that's uh, my little uh, impression of that. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. That is, that is uh, beautiful. That is hard-fought experience right there. <laughs> I, I think there is something to also be, to be said about giving yourself permission to be who you are. Um, I think for yeah. a lot of us, you know, weirdos, it, it's hard. You get kind of beaten down and you get told not to be who you of course. Be. But, you know, giving yourself the permission to be who you are um, 
is really, really important and will lead you so far in life. And there's mm -hmm. always room for doubt. Some of the most sure. talented, incredible, good people that I know in this world are so full of doubt and they're trying constantly to wake up and be a better person than they were the day before. Mm -hmm. So there's always room for that and, you know, never stop growing, but giving yourself permission to be who you are and, and to chase what you want, I think is so valuable. Yeah. And if that, you know, if I were to go back in time to talk to my younger self, cause I was, I was bullied terribly when I was little and I had such a hard time, you know, I was, I joined the club. Yeah. I think all of us, every, every single one of my friends bullied as a kid, unsure, you know, went through their existential crises, was taught valuable lessons by pirates movies. Yeah. Uh, actual, I have like my first. Oh, that's right. I forget how young you are. No, You're so my, wise. My, I forget. I'm obsessed with pirates. I was obsessed with pirates and like definitely pirates of the Caribbean hit something hit home for me. And I have like in my first, uh, for years, my, my photo ID, I have the pirates medallion. Oh, really? I, oh yeah. 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 What do pirates represent for you? Cause you know, historically, obviously yeah. these are not yeah. people you want to emulate, but in um, adventure yeah. stories pirates and in terrible. entertainment, pirates are terrible. If yeah. you look at like a lot of the, uh, read, uh, the, Journey of the Buccaneers by Exquamelon, Alexander Exquamelon. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, but pirates, the idea of pirates, yeah, is, of doing what you want and mm -hmm. like being free from the system. There are things like you look at pirates and they had the very first sort of health uh, health benefits, like workers' comp. Um, they it was very democratic. They like a lot of women and people of color like were all like rose through the ranks based on merit. And so, you know, it's that idea of um, equality and fraternity and uh, freedom and adventure. So yeah, like the pillaging and you know, terrorizing innocence, not so great, but the idea of like democratizing it, you yeah. know? Um, so I guess, you know, take that, take that as we will, but yeah, pirates, the idea of pirates for me has always been about adventure. And I love the idea in sort of modern stories of changing the sort of narrative of pirates, like sky pirates uh -huh. or, um, uh, you know, in a lot of books that I, that I like, you know, sort of like modern adventuring pirates, you know, make an appearance in their, in their. Yeah, I think you can do this with a lot of concepts. You can bring them into the new age. Like yeah. I have wanted to, I have to log off in like five minutes, but uh, but no, I, I don't want to oh, stop. So Wait, I know I have a job, um, but uh, we're not going to have time for questions. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, will, you know what, Erica, will you come back and do this again? Um, I'd be delighted. To. Okay, great. I'd love to. I would love to. Um, I want to update the idea of a gentleman. And a lady, because these are old terms. I want yeah. to update the idea of the chival, the code of chivalry, because the code of chivalry is in entertainment, in culture. It's very noble and all that, but it's also based on the idea that men have a privileged status and women are chattel. And right. so, yeah. but there are ideas in it that need to be preserved. The code of chivalry demanded that you helped anyone, not just because they were a woman or a man. It's just because they needed help. If somebody was weaker than you. You helped them. You defended them. Right. You, so you like yeah. the idea of chivalry, but screw gender norms. Exactly. Like, well, the reason why is like I hold the door open for everybody. If I get there first, I hold the door open. 
Right. That's just how I am. I got there first. I hold the door open. My wife, now this is the thing a lot of women have to reckon with. My wife loves that I'll pull a chair out for her because she's a lady. She loves that I pursued her. That's who she is. And she's one of the most progressive people you will ever meet, but she loves being treated like a lady. She realizes I am bigger and stronger. She has no problem with me doing things for her. She loves when I walk on the outside of the sidewalk so that if traffic comes and kicks up dirt or dust or a puddle, it hits me, not her. And it's, yes, because she's a lady and I'm a gentleman. That may seem outdated, but here's the way I think we retrofit it. It is all about the other person. Manners are about respect and courtesy. If a person wants you to do that, you do it. If they say, I don't need you to hold the door, then you don't. Because true chivalry, true manners is about considering the other person's feelings. Yeah, I like that. The idea of chivalry that's not based on gender norms, but now, more about like being considerate. Yes, that is all manners are at the heart of it. And as I've told the stream, manners are a lubricant so that there is no friction in society. So we can move amongst each other without friction. When you get friction, you get fire, and then you get explosions and shit burns and gets damaged. Manners are a societal lubricant that allow us to move amongst each other smoothly and respectfully. So yeah. I wanna update the idea of chivalry and manners. And so if you wanna pull the chair out for a lady, if she's okay with it, do it. If she says, I'd rather you not do that, then don't do it. Be chivalrous and acquiesce to the fact that she is somebody who wants something different. Show her respect and courtesy in a different way that is appropriate to what she wants. You know, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of room to sort of update things. A lot of things. In, in the old days, so like nights. Let's, so yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Nights, like uh, the idea of updated knights, the idea yeah. of updated pirates. Uh, samurai, definitely. Um, I don't know what else is there. I'm sure chat has tons of ideas. But yeah, it's so interesting because even, okay. you know, like the sort of the era in which those things became popular romanticized the idea yeah. of them and stuff. And so now we can like further do so. You it's know? time for a rewrite. You don't have to you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's something yeah. wonderful about a guy putting on a bunch of armor and risking his life for something or someone, but it doesn't have to carry the baggage of the time with it. Right, exactly. The idea like yeah. There's something yeah. wonderful about getting on a ship and doing whatever the hell you feel like and being equal and saying we have a health plan. Great. <laughs> you just you just don't have to rape and pillage. In order yeah. to prove that you're free, you know, because, exactly. yeah, exactly. Like pirates, but cool, but actually. Cool pirates. All right, so here's what we're going to do. You're going to come back, and we're going to have a new segment called Updating Cool Ideas. Updating Cool Ideas. <laughs> Let's cool. update cool ideas. I, I'll just talk to you about this off camera, and then we'll, because yeah. I honestly think you're on to something. I think there are wonderful ideas that just need an update. And I think uh, artists are great people to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it all comes back to storytelling, as I said. Just the most important. Look at that. Look at that button you put on it. Human thing that we could possibly do. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. And thank you so much to your community for being so lovely and kind and welcoming. I'm sorry I didn't get to your questions. Uh, we That's my fault. 
we, we, we got too wrapped up in all we were talking about. Everybody, please stay safe. Um, one last shout out to Color of Change, which is uh, yes. online grassroots uh, working for uh, racial justice. So the there's the in the in the chat there's the link. Uh, I'll match any donations, and uh, also stay safe, please, please stay safe. I love you, and uh, Chris, thank you. Thank you.